0: Hey, top of the morning to you, or afternoon, or evening, or (laughs) whatever time of day it might be when you are listening or viewing the FBTV podcast. How you doing? It's June 16th, headed toward 8 o'clock in the morning, when we are producing this, recording it, whatever you might say, broadcasting it, 15 dozen to... Half a dozen other things we could be doing right now as uh, we are getting this day underway. i got a full day. I've got a full day schedule. i got clients after client after client. Obviously, if you didn't already know, I'm the uh, lead consultant for Taltoa. And uh, people are recognizing... That transportation is probably one of the safest industries you could get into. I'm talking about post-pandemic. A lot of people not wanting to go to work or go back to work because they got used to that free money. A lot of people got used to being at home. A lot of people found ways to make money at home. Or without having to be employed by a company. And to be honest with you, that's the way I've been pretty much all my life. A quick story, and this is way off topic. But I remember going through high school thinking, man, can't wait to be 18. Get out of school, man, I'm going to go to work at the factories. At the time, we had something like 18 furniture factories here in town. This is back in... uh, the late 70s <laughs> and i did exactly that got out of high school that summer i was 18 and within a year i think i worked at all 18 furniture factories i learned real quick i was not built to stand there and do the same thing all day long couldn't do it i not saying couldn't do it just chose not to do it 17 or 18 times <laughs> I'm not knocking anybody that works in a factory. Matter of fact, I think we need to bring more manufacturing back home. Especially get it out of China. Matter of fact, I had a... uh... No, I'm not going to get into that. Not going to get into that here. We'll talk about it another day. But uh, freight brokering or transportation is an industry... Well... Look around, you know. If you're already familiar with trucking and transportation, you know this. I don't need to tell you. But uh, look around. It don't matter where you are. Anything pretty much you see that was man-made or manufactured, you get the idea. At one time, that item was on a truck. Bottom line. I mean, go uh, stand on the corner. I was going to say of any interstate, but really interstates don't have corners, do they? But you get the idea. You know, get on the interstate. Look at all the trucks. Those trucks are full of freight, and they're keeping the economy moving. No matter what the government does to try to stifle it. (laughs) You know, that's one thing you can say about trucking. It's overcome the government no matter what they did, trying to screw it up, and they're about to do it again, or throw another obstacle out there anyway, with this uh, Invest in America Act, or whatever they're calling it, $500-and-something billion dollar bill. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Lumpers are lumpers on their way out. Are they about to become a thing of the past? We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about emails. If you're a client of mine, you know that's a hot topic. (laughs) We're going to be talking about that. Uh, Carriers. They're up in their pay to drivers. That's a pretty good thing. But, you know, I don't understand. When, uh, why, why do they make it? You have to almost be a mathematician to figure out exactly how they're going to be paying you more. I, I don't get that. You know, just, hey, it's this much, period. You know, uh, people that work hourly, hey, you're we're going to bump you up $5 an hour, okay? I get it. Or, you know, people on salary, hey, we're going to give you an extra $5,000 a year, okay? I get it. But... When you got to get the calculator out and figure 97% of this number, then 5% of that number, add 3% of that number back to the 97%, and that's going to be your increase, what is that? What is that? Not that I'm saying the company's doing that, but some of these companies that are uh, increasing driver pay, it's almost like they're playing games. You know, just pay them more. Be done with it period. It's simple. It's simple. That's not what's wrong with the country. A lot of this isn't rocket science. It's just a matter of doing what needs to be done and doing it correctly, not playing games. And man, over the last two or three years, there has sprouted a lot of game players. Okay, we are, what, six minutes into this? And, uh, well, this is the if you haven't figured it out by now, this is the FBTV podcast. If you are an insider, you're able to see the video version of this podcast. Just log into your FBTV Insider account. And how do you become an insider? Well, you have to be a client of Tau If you are a client of Tau you have immediate access, full access to the FBTV Insider area. Just a little bonus we throw out there for our clients. Uh, if you got questions, comments, you... Uh, Want to get a hold of me? You can do so. You can uh, email me at fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. Visit the website, obviously freightbrokertv.com. We have contact forms all over the website, and uh, you know, you got a comment, question, fill it out, fill the form out, send me an email, whatever, and uh, we'll get it. We'll get it in a future podcast. Simple enough. All right, Twitter. People ask me about Twitter. We're not doing much on Twitter anymore. Never been on Facebook. Never cared for a Zuckerberg product. You know, all they're doing is fishing, gathering all the data. Google's terrible. Google's got to be one of the worst. I mean, we talk about Twitter and, and Facebook and all this, but Google, holy cow. You know, these things even pop up on my phone now when I'm when I'm uh, doing a Google search on my phone. I'll even get a prompt, hey, add the Google app. Are you next? That's the last thing I want is a Google app. You know, I'll log in via my, uh, or I'll use my browser. I mean, that that's bad enough. I mean, Apple's got all the information on that, but it is what it is. I guess Orwell back in 84, or 84, the, his book, 84, 1984, he, he really hit the nail on the head. I mean, back in 1984, we... I remember us talking about it. And back then, we, you know, we, we discussed it. And, you know, kind of thought, you know, it's not... He's not that far off. And here we are. But anyway. Fuel prices are up again. And I've made this point in the past, but isn't it amazing... Since the uh, election back in November, after fuel prices were at all-time lows, they've shot back up three dollars and28 cents a gallon for diesel. That's up a penny this week. Gasoline's up three cents, up to 306 a gallon. Those are averages, by the way. If we talk about fuel surcharges in a while, yeah maybe next week. Uh, our topic will be uh, fuel surcharge, explaining that if you aren't quite sure about what all that is, and uh, you'll get me on my soapbox for that because with fuel surcharges, I think that is one of the worst things trucking companies ever come up with as a way to increase rates because it's been my experience as shippers will, yeah, they'll up the fuel surcharge for that load, but they're not going to up the base rate because fuel surcharges fluctuate, but we'll get into that. Next week or at a later date. Alright. Uh, one of the things in the highway bill that they've been trying to get past was uh, the sleep apnea thing. I don't know I've read it somewhere, but I guess it's still in there. But anyway, <laughs> this is in the uh, news today. Philips recalls millions of sleep apnea machines due to cancer and other health risk. So if the not breathing won't get you, well, the cancer and the other health risk from these machines will. Uh, A couple of days ago, June 14th, Amsterdam-based Royal Philips NV issued a recall for certain bi-level positive airway pressure, bi-level PAP, P-A-P, and CPAP machines, continuous positive airway pressure. That's pretty much what you're more about, I think, in this country, is CPAP. You know, where you wear that big old mask people do at night, sleep. Mechanical ventilator devices due to possible health risks associated with sound dampening polyester-based polyurethane foam used in the devices. You can go back and watch one of my... Uh, I think it was last week, week before, talking about sleep apnea. And my doctor, he wanted me to be sl- tested for sleep apnea, and I refused. You can go back and find it on the uh, other podcast. But anyway, company says that the foam may degrade into particles which may enter the device's air pathway and be ingested or inhaled by the user... And the foam may off-gas certain chemicals. Okay, they're worried about the chemicals, but I'd be worried about the foam. Okay. It's going to degrade into particles. How big are these particles? I guess not big enough to choke you, but what if? Anyway, the inhaled foam could cause headache, irritation, inflammation, respiratory issues, and possible toxic and carcinogenic effects. Chemicals inhaled through off-gassing may cause headache, irritation, hypersensitivity, nausea, vomiting, and possible toxic and carcinogenic effects. Royal Phillips says that they have no confirmed reports of any health issues caused by their devices, but WSJ Wall Street Journal reports that the recall affects 3 to 4 million devices, and guess where half of those devices are located? You said the states. <laughs> you win. Philips says that most of the recall devices are Dream Station products. You want more info, go to the uh, Philips website, USA.Philips.com. Check it out. All right. You know, I remember back in the day, this country manufactured things. Things were manufactured to last. Nothing lasts anymore. And that's by design. I had an office a few years ago. Had a 50-year-old tap and air conditioner or central heat and air unit. Still worked. It wasn't cost-efficient by any means, but it worked. Yeah, they had to kind of fix it a couple of times a year. But uh, the house my wife and I live in, we've been in it 15, 16 years, and the central heat and air unit we had to replace a couple of years ago after, you know, what, 12, 13 years of uh, use? Crazy, man. I would like to see the pride come back into America, wouldn't you? I think we all would. I need this over here. I put that away and I wasn't done with it. All right. Let's talk about email. Topic of the day is going to be email. Let's talk about email for a moment. First of all, understand email is not a text message. Email is basically an electronic or slash digital letter. Text message is something high school girls do. Now, I know I use text messaging too, but you get the idea. You know what I'm talking about when I when I say that and I have clients and, and they all know this is one of my pet peeves matter of fact the first thing I first thing we cover in training with a client is setting up their email and setting up their signature on that email matter of fact I always recommend to clients go out here and get an, uh, set up a new email Gmail hotmail don't matter. They're all acceptable anymore. Now, just a few years ago, yeah, you wanted at your company, extension.com, you know, be a website like at taltoa.com, or like our email address here, fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. But in today's world, all emails acceptable. That's not a prerequisite anymore. Matter of fact, if you're an agent... Uh, Even agents, I recommend, hey, you know, set up your own email account, Gmail, whatever it might be, and use it. Use it. That is going to be your business email, period. Even if you work for a company and they say, hey, here, here's your email address with our company extension you can use, that's fine, but only use that email address for when you are corresponding with your company only not with your customers not with carriers not with shippers and the reason for that is the reason we recommend that is simply because someday you may leave that brokerage you may decide to move on to another company you may start your own brokerage and now what all your customers and all those trucking companies you've worked with over the past they have That old email address. Now what do you got to do? You got to go back and contact everyone. Hey, this is my new email address. So why go through all that? Why go through it? You know, it's almost like uh, a friend of yours getting a new cell phone number. You know, you got them in your your contacts and, hey, here's my new cell phone number. Oh, man. Now you got to go in there and change everything. (laughs) It's not that big of a deal. But when you're talking about customers and trucking companies, vendors and things like that, yeah, it could be. Make it easy on yourself. Make it easy on your customers, so that way they never have to change anything. Okay, that makes sense, don't it? I think so. Anyway, understand that email is not a text message. I can't tell you the number of emails I get daily that are formatted like a text message, like I'm just automatically supposed to know who it is that is emailing me. Yes, I can see the email address, but that don't mean anything to me. You know, I get I get 100 emails a day. I send out dozens of emails a day, if not more. <laughs> you need to put your signature on there, okay? Every email client, be it uh, Outlook, Outlook Express, or uh, even Google or Hotmail, any of those services are going to have a way you can... Add a signature. Your signature should be your full name and contact information, not your email address. That's obviously a give me. But uh, it should have your full name, phone number, your company website maybe. You can put your logo in there. You know, just whatever you want to do. But make it look good. It's professional. This is This is perception. Perception is going to become your customer's reality. If they perceive you to be a professional, on-the-ball business person, that's going to become their reality, and that's the uh, perception you want to leave with them. Now, as far as the email itself, now, the reason you want a signature, let's back up here a minute, the reason you want a signature is simply because every time you reply or create a new email, a new the, the signature, your signature is going to automatically be added to it, so you don't have to type it in. It's going to be there. It's automatic now as far as the email yourself itself it's a business letter you want to uh, at best uh, kind of format it in a business letter type form anyway what I mean by that is salutation you know hi dear mr. mrs. whatever it might be you just don't want to put your message in there then give a couple of spaces and put the body of your message you know, so it might be, hey, Jim, you know, uh, a couple of line spaces. And this is Mike I Taltoa. Listen, uh, better conversation we had the other day, blah, blah, blah. Use proper paragraph formatting. You get the idea. And your signature. Your signature is going to be at the bottom, you know, in the email. Hey, have a good day. And then your signature. Make it look professional. Don't assume everybody's going to know who you are. I know when you send a text message, it pops up, phone number, and who the person is if they're in your contacts. If they're not in your contact, if they're not in my contacts, that text message, whoever sent it, they get blocked immediately. <laughs> you know. So, hopefully that'll help you out. <clears throat> that's that's one of the things that, uh, one of my pet peeves. You know, that's one of the things I go over with with my Clients, because again, I, I just can't just can't uh, overemphasize perception. Perception becomes your customer's reality. If they perceive you to be a professional, you will be a professional in their mind. All right, let's get back to the uh, let's get back over here to the uh, <clears throat> Invest in America Act. Uh, last time we were talking about the liability insurance, trying to get it raised from 750000 minimum up to $2 million. Well, it's still in the bill. Uh, it's going to be a second markup happening today. Where When I say markup, what they're doing is going through it and, hey, are we going to keep this and vote on if we're going to keep that and throw this out and keep that. So far, the uh, insurance is still in the bill, the highway funding bill. Insurance people have suggested that the additional $1 could cost 25% more in premium. So if you've been paying $10,000 a year for your insurance per truck, now you're going to be paying $12,500 per year. I guess Whoa, yeah, that's right. $10,000, 25 percent 2500 yeah. So you get the idea. It ain't going to be cheap. A lot of people think, well, you know, that's just, you know, insurance for all your trucks. No, that's per truck. Uh, it's... That's per truck. Every truck has to be insured. Now, several amendments were withdrawn over the course of the markup. The last markup, that happened a week ago, before it was voted on. is still uh, still alive. It's alive. I see. What, what was uh, taken out? An amendment to strike requirements for side underride guards on trailers. You may have seen those going down the road. An amendment to strike a section requiring FMCSA to put time-slash-mile limits on personal conveyance. In other words, how how many miles or how much time a driver could use their truck for personal business. An amendment to allow under twenty one drivers in apprenticeship programs, the ability to haul interstate. That was reintroduced this year. That's been kicked out and that's good. An amendment to include carrier selection uh, clarifications for brokers slash shippers. Uh, An amendment to include carrier selection clarifications for brokers and shippers. It says it's seen perennially since 2015 in a variety of reauthorizations like the latest effort i have to do some research on that one i'll be honest with you that's uh it may be something simple but right now my brain's not clicking it's over my head now a variety of provisions remain in the house versions of the highway bill hours of service uh still in it the bill would require a safety impact analysis of the variety of exemptions in place in recent history to portions of the rule likewise the changed implemented in september of last year lease purchase establishment of a truck leasing task force to study lease purchase arrangements now i started my uh, owner operator experience as a lease purchase owner operator i was able to lease purchase my truck from the company i was uh, working with or working for at that time. Before that, I was a company driver. Then after I did the lease purchase, I became an owner-operator. I was an independent contractor. Now, I'll be honest with you. I never got into the lease purchase to expecting to ever own the truck. And if that's what you're doing, you're expecting really to someday own that truck, you will probably be in for a rude awakening at some point in the future. What you should be getting into a lease purchase for is to start getting the experience of owning your own truck. That's what it's for, getting the experience. Get the experience. Uh, You know, go back a few years, or it happens all the time. You know, you see these trucking companies, they do lease purchases. Well, they don't own the truck. How can they do a lease purchase? (laughs) They can't. But they do a lease purchase, and... uh, now, a lot of companies, they may be leasing the truck, maybe buying it, you know, it's maybe uh, financed or whatever. And, you know, at the end of the lease purchase for the driver, if the driver's still there and still driving that truck, yeah, you know, the company will have it paid off by then or they will make a lump sum payment and pay it off so the driver can have it. But usually at that point, the driver's ready to get rid of it. If There, there aren't very many drivers that stick around for the full four, five, six years of a lease purchase. Usually what happens, they're they're in it for a few months, maybe a year. They get ticked off. They quit, and they find out the hard way. The truck stays with the company. So they decide, we're not going to make that mistake again, and they go out and buy their own truck. You know, like at Truck sales or get a used truck to start, and believe me, it's easy to buy a truck. But anyway... That's a story for a different day, too. But uh, the truck leasing task force to study lease purchase arrangements, I don't think that's something they need to be doing. I think that's between the trucking company and the driver or the buyer. You know, if they're going to be doing that, then... uh, if somebody wanted to lease a truck from Ryder, the same rule should apply. See what I mean? You know, they're they're getting in a hole they really don't want to be or they need to be in. It's fair trade. You know, the driver should, you know, the driver, somebody starting their own business should do their own due diligence and figure out, hey, is this a good deal for me or not? If they're not, they will learn the hard way. And they will not make that mistake again we don't need big brother that that's that's where i'm at anyway yeah yeah you say well there's there's people out there that will try to you know take a driver well you know again the driver should have enough sense if they're going to be buying their own truck you know we're talking about 75 80 hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment they're essentially going into business for themselves. They should have a business plan. They should, be, they should know what they're doing. They should understand the pros and the cons, what can happen and what could happen and what will probably happen. They should get that. And if it passed their mustard, then okay. Enter the lease purchase. If not, run. Run, baby, run. Detention data is still in the uh, House version of the highway bill. Measures reinforcing need to actually collect data on detention. Uh, Here we go, data collection. And study such data as required by the last Highway Reauthorization Act, the FAST Act. I think everybody will agree, and it's been this way since the beginning of trucking. I mean, you could probably go back 150 years ago when there's horse and buggy. Or, you know, wagons with a team of horses pulling the freight. Or even the railroad, you know, back in the day. It's always been a problem with detention. The government getting in the middle of it isn't the solution in my book. The solution is private enterprise fixing it. Well, here we are. Well, if I go in here and try to lay down the laws of trucking company with the uh, shipper... They'll boot me and somebody else will come in and get the contract. That is true. That's a dilemma we're all in. You know, people used to say, we're going to strike. We're going to strike, you know, trucking companies because, uh, the rates were too low or whatever. Now, the problem with that is, yeah, you may plan a strike. And if 10% of the trucks sit, there's the other 90% that's going to pick up all the freight that you're not hauling. And guess who's going to be out that customer? that That's, uh, you know, go back to the 1980 deregulation and all that. Government knew what they were doing. And now they're trying to get it to where only the big boys can play. They're, they're, it looks to me like they're trying to do away with the small mom-and-pop owner-operator small trucking companies. Do I think they will succeed? No, I think it's going to end up like it did with the brokerage when they upped the bond on that a few years back from 10000 to 75000 I think the true oper- entrepreneurs will find a way around it and become successful. It's that simple. Uh, the, the, you know, the only positive from all this, I think, will keep some of the people that shouldn't be in the industry out. That would be in it otherwise, but neither here nor there. Training. CSA. Measures intended to push FMCSA ahead on impl- implementation of the entry-level driver training rule and past requirements to revamp CB or CSA's safety measurement system in pursuit of a safety fitness determination rulemaking as well as returning CSA SMS scores to public view. I wonder how many attorneys it took to write that paragraph. The only thing I got out of that is they're trying to make sense if uh, they should return the SMS scores back to public view, And that's always buffaloed me or bumfuddled me anyway because I thought that's what the CSA was for, public safety. And then the first thing the FMCSA does is they take the scores down because trucking companies were complaining. Then why have a CSA? <laughs> ELD data, enabling FMCSA with authority to collect and examine records of duty status for research purposes. You know, you start going down that path, research, using, you know, you, you're using these words uh, to justify something that should be illegal, private, okay? Okay. Uh, you know yeah it's 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 tricky okay brokers uh, and this is for you uh, if you have a dispatch contract with the trucking company you're an independent dispatcher in other words pay attention to this this is still in the highway rule brokers requirements to clarify the distinction between brokers and bona fide bona fide carrier agents bona fide bona fide. <laughs> He's bona fide. Makes me think of, oh brother, where art thou? He's bona fide. He's bona fide. <laughs> but anyway. And at minimum, take a closer look at dispatch services and the penalties for brokering illegally. Well, if you have, if you're, you know, we get calls like this at Tautua all the time. Yeah, I want to start a dispatch service. Why? Why do you want to do that? Well, so I can get loads for trucks. Yeah, the only reason you're wanting to start a dispatch service is so you can get loads off the load board that brokers have put there. Those loads on the load board, 99.9% of those loads are there because brokers have customers that have those loads available, and that broker is trying to find a truck to uh, uh, to move that load, and that's why that load is posted on the load board. That is not meant for somebody to come behind the broker that has already taken 10, 15, 20, 25% off the top of the load and allow you to take another 5 to 10% just by using the load board and put it on a carrier. You know, in reality, the trucking company, if you're using a dispatch service, <clears throat> probably the majority of the load you're getting from your service is coming from a broker. <clears throat> so if the broker's taking 20, 25% off the top, your dispatch service taking another 10, well, by the time it gets to you, why haul it? It's been my experience with dispatch services that after a month or two, a company figures out that, hey, why am I paying them so much to get loads off the load board? I can do that on my, my own. So why become a dispatcher, an independent dispatcher? We knocked this around a few months ago, and we still may do it. Dispatch training, <clears throat> we may offer that through Tontoy, but it's not going to be for acquiring loads off the load board. It's going to be for getting your own customers. And this is where we've had problems because if you're going to get your own customers, then why, why, why corner yourself as just a dispatcher for one trucking company? Why not be a broker? and be able to use all the trucking companies not just one anyway yeah be on the lookout for that it would not surprise me it would not really bother me too much if the dispatch thing went away because that the only people a dispatch service benefits is the owner of the dispatch service it does not benefit a trucking company usually usually it's going to be the small one two three truck outfits that use a service like that and they figure out, and to be honest with you, you know, uh, the money you're paying a dispatch service, you can invest that money into hiring a real dispatcher for your company that can find loads for you without using the load board, because that's what you want to pay somebody for, is to get your own customers. Drivers on temporary business visas, visas, rather, visas, hmm. This has been going on, well, when I was driving back uh, years ago. Drivers coming in from other countries didn't have a problem with that. They gave them experience and things like that, see what it was like. I always wanted to go over to Australia and drive drive one of those trains, you know, truck, you know, out there in the outback and stuff. Never did, but anyway. Automatic emergency brake in the House bill would set the government on a path to requiring these systems and their use for most heavy vehicles. Automatic emergency braking. See, when you start talking about that automatic stuff, where the computer or the truck itself, well, it's going to be a computer, controlling operations, that is kind of nerve-wracking. Because I know if I'm the driver, I can make better decisions about what needs to be done a lot better than that computer. Because I can see what's happening 15, 20 seconds ahead of me. You get the idea? Anyway, it is what it is. I know, I'm old. (laughs) I'm just not here with the changes. We'll keep an eye on that, though. See what they do finally decide to do with that. All right, we are way over time. Matter of fact, I got clients coming up here in just a few minutes. We're going to have to call it a day. Uh, We have not had a chance to talk about limpers. Matter of fact, there's an article in Overdrive Magazine right now. That uh, kind of hints about lumpers being on their way out. We're going to be talking about lumpers next time, so, uh, you know, check back next week for that. Okay. Uh, I said earlier, carriers, some trucking companies have upped their pay, and kind of went on a tangent about that. Averett Express, one of the companies, regional and truckload without hazmat endorsement. They're going to be starting at $0.52 cents per mile, regional truckload with hazmat endorsement. You're going to get paid, oh three cents a mile more. Ooh. I know, three cents a mile is a pretty big deal. I know uh, when I was driving, it was a penny a mile more if I had my hazmat endorsement. That's why I gave it up. Why do I want to take all the hassle for that extra penny? Don't need it. Uh, Forward Air Corporation. This is one of those companies. It looks like they are... uh, You're going to have to be a mathematician to figure it out. But anyway, maybe not as bad as I'm reading uh, is what I'm reading into it but offering a new destination based pay increase for its fleet partners within its LTL and truckload divisions the destination based model provides additional compensation to team and solo owner operators based on the destination of their load so sounds to me like it's non-forced dispatch which all owner operators should be that, that should be in the uh, agreement lease agreement Because once you start force dispatch, now you you are heading down that road of uh, employee-employer relationship, and the IRS will get you. So, it sounds to me like Forward Air has a lot of freight going to places trucks don't want to go. Like New York City, Maine, other places. So... They're going to pay more as an incentive. There are also bonuses I talked about in the article I read, but uh, neither here nor there. So, if it's someplace you don't want to go, take the load, you'll go anyway. You know, I was with a company here a while back. They're not in business anymore. One of the last companies I drove for. <clears throat> and this is back uh, uh, 10, 12 years ago. So I go back on the road for a little bit because everything was kind of upside down. The, the uh, Great Recession, so to speak. And It was uh, who was C Bean? C Bean, yeah, I think it was Bean Trucking. And going through orientation, there was a fellow there, and they, you know, the uh, one of the dispatchers came into orientation. Hey, we got a logo in the New York City. When you guys want it, well, we're going to give you a couple hundred dollars more. And this one guy, yeah, I'll do it. Well, that that, you know, we looked at him like you shouldn't have done that, and uh, sure enough. That was his first load after orientation going up to New York City. Got back uh, after my one or two loads later and found out. Yeah, he got up to New York City, had an accident, he was fired. You know, I was thinking, why do you want to take a load to New York City, your first load? You know, I I, I have done my time on the island. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I've got stories I can tell you, and maybe someday I will. Paper transport, increasing driver pay between 8 and 25%. That's all I got from it. So, if you're on the 8% side of that equation, you're probably not going to be too happy. But if you're on the 25%, hey, cool. And Millis Transfer. Now, this is what I'm getting at. Okay. Hey, if you're new and existing drivers, nickel more per mile. Congratulations. Simple. All right. I think that's going to do it for today. We have gone over, we try to keep these things about 25 or 30 minutes long. And, uh, Well, here we are at uh, almost uh, way over a half hour, put it that way. Okay, again, if you are an FBTV insider, you can watch the video podcast. Uh, Just log into your insider account. To be an insider, obviously, you have to uh, be a TALTOA client. You want to learn more about TALTOA? Maybe you're thinking about becoming a freight broker, freight broker agent? Check us out, TALTOA.com, T-A-L-T-O-A toa.com. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to write that down, visit our website uh, freightbrokertv.com. Uh, see there, whoop, let me get over here. There, there's the uh, well, Everything's backwards, right there. freightbrokertv.com. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you really don't need that. It's on the screen, so the like only people seeing that you're already a client, so you know. But go to freightbrokertv.com if that's easier to remember than TALTOA and uh, there'll be a link there to the uh, downtown website. All right. Again, it's Wednesday, June sixteenth. It went from a wet and cool spring here in Fort Smith, where I'm at, to uh, summer overnight. I mean, we're in the nineties, humidity's up there. It's it's stupid hot, and we, it's it's settled in. We still got what four or five days till uh, summer officially kicks in, but uh, it feels like it. It feels like it. All right, go have a good Wednesday, unless, of course, you've made other plans. We'll talk to you soon.